Hi, this is Jeff Kober, and we welcome you to this Disney at Play podcast. In recent days and weeks, the Florida State Legislature, led by Governor Ron DeSantis, has sought to end the Reedy Creek Improvement District, an independent governing body that provides regulatory control and support to the Walt Disney World Resort. Currently, the elephant does not seem afraid of the mouse, and it's looking to stomp on it if possible. There are many people chiming in and various reports being filed as to what might happen should it be implemented next June. We bring to the table some important questions we think should be asked and what the ramifications just might be. We make simple what this is all about talking about whether it's really going to happen and more importantly, how it might even affect your next visit to Florida. Join us in this podcast as we talk about Walt Disney World's Reedy Creek Improvement District and the state of Florida. Questions, facts, and even uncertainty. Be certain to check out our post at disneyatplay.com as it provides many of the links and key points that we are making during this podcast. So you can reference our best efforts to research and to try to bring all of the different sides of this argument to the table. As a caveat, I will do my very best to be non-political, but understand that this has nothing to do but politics. This is political theater. In my observation, both sides do the kinds of things I'll be speaking about. That is why Disney and other corporations often render to both sides of the aisle. Even Publix, a terrific grocery store chain headquartered here in Florida, was recently called out for doing something similar in placating politicians. And as I have done in several podcasts, this isn't an anti-chapic dismissal as well. Bob Iger is at fault for some of this. But the difference between Bob Iger and Bob Chapek is that the former held much more trust among his employees. I believe this is Chapek's weakest link and it's creating a domino effect in this very issue. So let's ask the question first, what is this issue all about? Well, in the 1960s, around the time when it was discovered that Walt Disney had amassed a large amount of property, he and Roy proposed a special government district. It would eventually become known as the Reedy Creek Improvement District, and it canvasses part of Orange and Osceola counties here in Florida. It allows Disney to operate like its own county government and is responsible for municipal services of all sorts. It also means Disney doesn't need approval from local planning commissions if it wants to build new structures. This was critical to Walt Disney World being built and that neither county could offer Disney much support during that time in undertaking such a large project as was established. When you go to the Reedy Creek Improvement District, they provide this overview. Quote, one of the busiest places in America, the district's boundaries include 
four theme parks, two water parks, one sports complex, 175 lane miles of roadway, 67 miles of waterway, the cities of Bay Lake and Lake Buena Vista, an environmental science laboratory where the continuity of water quality is monitored, an electric power generating and distribution facility, a natural gas distribution system, water and wastewater collection and treatment facilities, a solid waste and recyclables collection and transfer system, plus over 40,000 hotel rooms and hundreds of restaurants and retail stores. A five-member board of supervisors elected by landowners governs the district. Let me just stop there for a moment. This is kind of important, and I don't know I'll have a chance to come back to it. But there are landowners, technically, that govern the district. Um, some are landowners in the city of Bay Lake, and some are landowners in the city of Lake Buena Vista. Now, you're probably asking, what city? Is this like Celebration, or is this like Golden Oak? And no, neither of those. They are especially set aside, so they have no uh, voting rights in the district. But there are about, uh, about two dozen um, homes in the cities of Bay Lake and Lake Buena Vista. They're actually, they're actually mobile homes. And I've been to both of them. They are actually, the people who house those homes are actually employees selected by Disney to live in those homes. And technically, they become the, vote, the voters of this community. So when they say five-member board of supervisors elected by landowners governs the district, so you understand Disney really is able to play this out so it chooses the board of supervisors by the landowners, which they choose to live in this district. You may think that uh, something's wrong about this. Well, it is kind of. Uh, I mean, in terms of separating uh, church and state, so to speak, yeah, you don't, you don't see that happening here. But there are things that come as a result of that. The goal of the board, going on with what RCID says in its site, the goal of the board together with the district staff is to ensure the economic viability of all venues and businesses within the district, while never sacrificing Central Florida's remarkable wildlife and ecological environment. Through the creation and effective operation of the district, Walt Disney was able to turn 38.5 square miles of remote and largely uninhabited pasture and swampland into a world-class destination that welcomes millions of visitors each year. So, end of quote. That's largely what the Reedy Creek Improvement District is all about. It is a government entity in and of itself that was given its rights from the state of Florida back in 1967. I should also mention that in many ways, it's actually a world-class benchmark for showcasing the partnership of government and private enterprise. I have brought groups from around the world to visit Reedy Creek Improvement District as well as Disney and to see how that works and how that plays out. And it is impressive on many levels. That said, I should also mention that Disney reaps many benefits 
from being able to essentially have its own government regulate them. In one sense, that seems, again, like where's the separation of church and state? But on the other hand, if you believe that government's purpose is to support its citizens or the organizations that that exist within its district or enterprise, then why shouldn't Reedy Creek be responsive to Disney? After all, they are the major business in town. But it kind of plays out in different ways. For instance, part of what allowed the original Disney MGM Studios to open in 1989 prior to Universal Orlando opening its gates was the fact that they could hustle through zoning, permits, construction reviews in a fraction of the time that it took Universal working with Orange County in the city of Orlando. In fact, actually, ABC News did a feature which called Disney out on it. This was before Disney bought ABC. And, uh, and Universal has called them out on it. But Florida state government didn't give Disney or Reedy Creek any trouble for it at the time. Yet now, after 50 plus years, the state of Florida seeks to revoke the ability of Disney to have its own government district. So why does the governor and Republican-backed legislature, why are they doing this? The governor, the governor didn't initially seek after Disney. The governor was seeking out hot topic issues that could rally his conservative base as he creates greater support, not only in Florida in a re-election year, but in an eventual potential bid for the White House, particularly if Trump or none of his family choose to run again. The governor has sought to do this on several fronts, such as putting down efforts to teach or discuss critical race theory, or identifying math textbooks in the school curriculum that seem too woke. In one instance, he sought um, to focus on not only repressing, but prosecuting any discussion of LGBTQ plus issues in the classroom that was happening in lower grade levels. This particular piece of legislation has upset a number of Disney cast members in Florida who feel strongly about LGBTQ plus issues and felt that Disney, as a major corporation, should speak up on it. Initially, CEO Bob Chapek felt to not deal with it, or he felt perhaps he should deal with it behind the scenes. Either way, Disney cast members felt that was the wrong approach, and they became vocal about that. In the wake of this commotion, Bob Chapek agreed to address the issues with DeSantis and eventually went publicly against the legislation. DeSantis saw this as an opportunity to address all that is wrong with woke Disney World, as he has put it. All of this has put not Disney, but particularly Ron DeSantis, in the headlines. As such, he has seen that this allows him the national stage to make a name for himself among the Make America Great Again community. Since then, he has sought to make sure Disney is known as Woke Disney. He has emphasized that Chapek and thus the corporation only cared when it was going up for a vote 
and made no effort to address it prior. He has also pointed to Disney's other weaknesses, such as essentially doing business um, uh, in China when minorities like the Uyghurs are oppressed. In truth, Governor Ron DeSantis has gotten a lot of press, good or bad, and now he's a bigger household name for the Republican Party outside of the Trump family. Now, can the Florida state government really do this? Can they end the Reedy Creek Improvement District? Well, yes, they can, and they did. But that doesn't necessarily mean it will hold up in court, nor does it mean that it's ethical. It doesn't even mean that it's a smart political move. Consider, for instance, there are many districts, 1,844 to be exact, all with different purposes in the state of Florida. Florida House leaders said the new law would impact five special districts, Reedy Creek Improvement District, Bradford County Development Authority, Sunshine Water Control District, in Barad County, East Point Water and Sewer District, and Franklin County, and the Hamilton Development Authority. Why these are being emphasized as well is unclear. But what is clear is that Republican-led lawmakers don't like Disney's interference with Florida politics, and they have chosen to especially single them out. In truth, government agencies do make enemies out of corporations. For instance, this isn't much different than the Democrats taking on big oil or tobacco companies. By the way, key Republicans have come forward and denounced Ron DeSantis for what he has said. Former Trump attorney Jenna Ellis has even offered to defend Disney against the state. Quote, hi, at Disney, open offer to help defend your right to constitutionally protected speech against Florida's illegal retaliation, end of quote. She also went on to say, quote, do we really want the government to have a precedent that it could relate against a corporation because it doesn't like a statement that a corporation makes? We know that Disney, Florida is retaliating against Disney because they have admitted it, end of quote. Speaking of lawyers, how could this play out in court? Well, who knows for sure, but I'm fairly certain that there will be significant activity taking place in front of a judge. Note at this point, the Reedy Creek Improvement District would not be phased out until June 1st of 2023. That still buys time to take action before and after the upcoming elections. As I believe Scott Maxwell noted on a radio interview, there is an off-ramp for both parties that give them plenty of time to exit this deal. So why hasn't Disney said anything so far? As of the time this podcast recorded was recorded, Disney has not made any official comments regarding the legislation as it was considered, as it was passed, and as it was signed by the governor. But Disney, frankly, has said too much already. It has addressed its committed commitment to bondholders, but has not made any statement regarding their view of the legislature, governor's actions, or how they would repeal. But if I know Disney, there is an army of attorneys paying attention to this. 
And there are lots of ways to fight this issue and the legality of it. Moreover, it may have made the future of other districts caught in the crossfires of this, and they just may have to take legal counsel as well. In the end, all of this may get very well dragged out before some kind of compromise or something goes away. And frankly, my guess is that Disney will go back to business as usual. That I would guess some. However, could this impact the citizens of Orange and Osceola counties? Well, the Washington Post reported last week that Disney has an estimated $1 billion in debt obligations and spends more than $160 million a year on public services. Other government bodies could be forced to assume those responsibilities. Other sources say that removing the district would cost Disney between one to two billion a year. In truth, state and county officials haven't really determined what this would all entail. Curiously, what hasn't been mentioned in all this is that Florida has a tourism development tax. Just last February, it was announced, I mean, just two months ago, it was announced that Orange County alone earned 28 million plus for February of this year, the biggest in history, despite its effort to fully rebound from the pandemic. It's a big issue locally that many of these funds never do enough to build larger roads and other services that citizens in this area need. But certainly these funds would go a long way to offset some of the Disney debts. They're not designed to do so at this time, but then again, Disney wasn't designed to lose its district. How does this really impact the average guest visiting Walt Disney World? Well, eh, not really. It won't impact you. Will prices go up? Well, yeah, probably. They always do. This is just the reason for doing so. Without it, prices will go up anyway. Few guests can perceive a noticeable impact being in Walt Disney World as opposed to being at Disneyland, which doesn't enjoy the same self-governance benefits. Although they do enjoy many uh, uh, tax exemptions, as does happen here at Walt Disney World. Humorously, by the way, you may have seen some images recently of picketing happening in front of the sign at Walt Disney World. There are actually five big welcoming signs as you enter Walt Disney World. Four of them are squarely on Disney property where parties uh, cannot demonstrate. But one sign is on State Road 535 where you can stand on public sidewalk in front. In fact, one um, Make America Great Again group closed the road with their cars just recently preventing people from visiting Disney. This is, of course... A joke, since there are multiple access roads into Disney, and this entrance is a minor one comparatively. No, however, Disney has partnered with the State Highway Department to put a new ramp off of I-4, going directly into even that entrance, and so in the near future, no one will ever be able to stand in front of any Disney sign to pick it. Would this be happening? if Bob Iger was running the company instead of Bob Chapek? Well, I think that Bob Chapek has been dealt a terrible hand 
since day one in terms of having to deal with the company that has gone from one crisis to another. To begin your stint having to close every theme park in the world, uh, along with collapsing all theatrical releases, this has been a painful run. But leaders don't usually get to choose what hand they are dealt. And despite the hand, a great CEO must be skilled enough to play those cards, no matter what the hand. Chapek's run-in with DeSantis is couched in his having to deal with Governor Newsom of California. And yet, that really wasn't his role. Even though he was asked to be on a committee to reopen California economically during the pandemic, Bob Iger didn't do very well trying to figure out Governor Newsom of California. Newsom ended up playing politics with lead Republican and, um, and conservative leaders in Orange County, where Disneyland uh, resides. Um, that left Disney, at best, caught in the middle and eventually failing to win any favors from Newsom. While Walt Disney World successfully reopened in July of 2020, and frankly because of a Republican-held um, legislature and a government, it wasn't until the following April that Disneyland was permitted to reopen. And by the way, do you think DeSantis noticed that? Yeah. They weren't able to hold themselves up to Governor Newsom. So what makes... Disney think they can hold up to DeSantis, or at least I think that's what DeSantis was thinking. From the outset, Chapek had really wanted to stay out of the political fray on this issue. He also stated in so many words that he wanted to work behind the scenes to address it rather than out in front. Whichever way he was directing the organization, cast members took issue with it. And they particularly put up anger and frustration when it was revealed that Disney had supported the campaigns of many of these government officials up in Tallahassee, both Republican and Democrat. In truth, as I mentioned previously, that's been going on with both sides of the aisle for years, long before Chapek took over. Bob Iger was part of it, as was Eisner before him, and so on. But if these cast members don't trust Bob Chapek to make the right moves and instead choose to be open and public about what Disney should or shouldn't do, then it really does become a lose-lose proposition for Bob Chapek. Again, he finds himself between a rock and a hard place. In a previous two-part series, I have chronicled both the slow fall and the hastening fall of Bob Chapek. He has made decisions that have cost him in his role as CEO, and those decisions stop at his desk. But part of me feels that so much of this was set up against his favor, and I feel that many of the employees of the Walt Disney Company have not given him the break he deserves. It is about trust. But trust begins with assuming positive intent of the other. And while Bob Chapek may have many weaknesses, I think, at heart, he has probably tried to move forward 
with that positive intent. So in truth, I believe at the core of this is the company's ability to trust Bob Chapek to make the right move and to act in the best interest of the Walt Disney Company. Without that, Disney looks splintered and in disarray. Still, make no mistake, Walt Disney World will be here long after DeSantis has moved off stage. I'm not sure that Bob Chapek will be here as well. Would there be any advantage to Disney if they didn't keep their governing body? Now, perhaps that's the strangest question of all that I've poised here. If Disney's government entity has a large burden, debt burden, would there be a possibility that going with such a move could be ultimately in their best interest? Perhaps this would allow Disney to dump some of its overhead. After all, Disney has a lot of folks on their payroll. Many areas of the operation have even been contracted out over the years. Would this essentially do the same? To me, this seems at first penny-wise and pound-foolish. While I could see some short gain, I can't imagine Disney seeing this as an advantage in the long run. For instance, a significant benefit of special districts is making tax-exempt purchases for the services they provide and issuing municipal bonds for major infrastructure projects at a much lower interest rate. It would seem unlikely that Disney will lay down and just let this happen. But, you know, I've seen Disney do some pretty crazy things. And I wouldn't put it past them. Well, that wraps it up for this Disney at Play podcast. Uh, not much at play. Not much of fun for the fan in all of us. But I felt like something needed to be said to organize all of the noise that is going on right now within uh, the news about uh, Disney and the Florida State Legislature. I hope this has helped you better understand how all of this works. And I hope that you enjoy these podcasts. We really seek to try to build out the best podcast possible. If you have a chance, please support us through our Patreon group, the Wayfinder Society. When you visit our uh, DisneyAtPlay.com uh, site, you'll see an invitation. Check it out. Find out different groups, different price tiers. For as little as just a dollar a month, you could have access to some very unique tools to help you enjoy your experience at Disney. And you come uh, in support of this podcast, which we appreciate so much. Thanks for being part of listening today. And I hope that, again, in the words of Sinbad's storybook voyage, that you always follow the compass of your heart. Have a great day. We'll see you real soon.